Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. Now if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast it is all about connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So what usually happens is each and every Wednesday we feature a new guest who shares their journey, their wisdom, their works alongside seven reggae selections. Now the mission of this podcast is to share the stories of people straight from them. So it's not an interpretation, it's not an edited version, it is their stories straight from them. And in doing so, uplift our community by connecting with one another. So sharing each other's stories, sharing each other's experiences, sharing our culture, sharing the foods, sharing the works. So then we can connect with one another. Because if you hear somebody's story, you know where they're coming from. You know if you can work with that kind, that individual, that brother or sister, and therefore combine works and develop future projects. So if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you for always listening in every Wednesday. And if you're a regular listener, you know that this series is all about our ancestors. So the first to feature in this series was honouring our ancestors, where we featured some really profound works of musicians and poets and combined it all together and it was so powerful. We had such great positive vibrations off this first episode that we continued with it and it was it had a life of its own and it just evolved and kept growing and growing and growing again. You know that's the work of our ancestors. So the episode that followed that was Ancestral Messengers. Then we had Ancestral Influencers and last week we had Ancestral Heartbeat. I'm not going to tell you where we go with those those episodes that followed honouring our ancestors, I'm going to let you check them out for yourself. But each one of them is so powerful in its own right. So if you haven't checked out all of those, please, please do so. And for those of you that have and have been sharing and have been letting us know how much you enjoy it, um, thank you for all of the love. Yeah, thank you for all of the positivity. This week's episode is going to be the final episode as part of the ancestral series. So as you all know, because you already clicked to listen to this episode, this episode is entitled Being Worthy of Our Ancestors. It's a great way to finish this whole series. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure we're going to come back and do, you know, a, a a, a whole new series based on this because we only touched on things there's only so much we can fit into an hour and we just wanted to you know just touch the surface of of the different ways that we can celebrate our ancestors but like I said it's been some really powerful works and um, I think this is a great way to kind of conclude this series for now at least anyway so um, if you are new please subscribe wherever you're listening to Reggae Uprising podcast. There are over 120 episodes, including this ancestral series that you have not, you've missed out on. Yeah, there's, there's so much positivity within Reggae Uprising podcast through stories, through special series, through special editions. There's so much great works shared by fellow brothers and sisters that I'm sure that I know can help you within your own work, can help spark that fire within you, can help reignite and push you forward on your own journey. Yeah, so please listen to those those other episodes at your leisure. All of the contact details of the people that are featured within them are in the description. So if you if you really really resonated with you, a particular interview, please feel free to get in contact with that brother or sister and uplift each other's works by combining them. 
This is what Reggae Uprising podcast is all about. So please subscribe wherever you're listening to Reggae Uprising podcast. Alternatively, you can, or as well as, you can also go to daniel.co.uk. You can subscribe there. If you subscribe there, you will kept, be kept up to date with Reggae Uprising podcast episodes as well as my own performance dates, because as well as being the host of Reggae Uprising podcast, I am also a singer-songwriter as well of some conscious, conscious music. Um, so I do um, live performances. I always let you know the latest performances. You can come and see me live. The festival shows that I'm doing, new releases. You can also check out my original works, whether that be music videos, or you can check out the audios of those works, as well as previous shows that I've done, including High Vibes Friday, the original Reggae Uprising, where you can check out um, the, the videos of me performing different reggae tunes. Some of them are classics that have been reworked. Some are reggae songs that I've sang in different languages. Some are, you know, we've got celebrations. There is so much positive content that you can find via daniel.co.uk. So if you need that extra little boost, that is where you need to go. Um, so daniel.co.uk is D-A-N-I-E-A-L.co.uk. The link is also in the description as well. Like I said, you can subscribe there. All of my social media is there as well. Alternatively, if you don't like social media and you would like to get in touch with me, you know, just to let me know how you feel about the show. If you'd like to feature on an up-and-coming episode. If you'd like to make me aware of somebody's works or you have some works or a project that you would like to collaborate with me on, you can get in touch with me via the contact page on daniel.co.uk. So again, that is d-a-n-i-e-a-l.co.uk. So the usual format for these episodes when we have an interview is, like I said, we, we work through the particular brother or sister's story where we, and then we throw in those reggae tunes that resonate with them, that have inspired them, that they hold memories with at different points within the interview. And we have seven tracks. But like I said, this is a, this is a special series. So the format is completely turned on its head. We are going to be featuring some great reggae works, but in this episode in particular, um, being worthy of our ancestors, we are going to be featuring four sound bites in total. So the first three are going to be of some young stars. And then the final is the works of a very special woman. I'm not going to introduce them because they're introduced within the sound bites. And in, in between, we are going to be featuring, of course, some high vibrations of reggae music. But I really hope you enjoy these works. I think I hope that they will inspire you. And I hope you make as many people know as possible about the, the works that are included from, like I said, the young stars, the sister that is featured at the end as well. Go look them up go share this positivity within your network within our community this is what reggae uprising podcast is all about so i'm going to do less talking i'm going to be no more talking from me now until the very very end all of the sound bites that are featured within these works all are in the description. They're all credited within the description. So please go and support those YouTube channels that are featured where the sound bites are taken from, as well as supporting the musicians that are also featured. Like I said, everybody is in the description. So if you could support their works, by sharing, by bigging them up, by dropping comments, by purchasing the music. That, again, that is what Reggae Uprising podcast is all about, uplifting. So, without further ado, here's some high vibrations. Jarastafari, give thanks. Rebound. Give our praise to the Mosaic Jah. Ida Slassia, the first song for Nile Tribe of Judah. Kings of kings, Lord of lords. Take care of your temple yeah. And don't let them fool 
Peace, 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 family. I want to talk to you guys today about a little girl named Alana George. Alana George um, is a four-year-old genius. Um, you know, as you can see from my parents, she took her um, IQ test and she scored 140. Um, you know, there's a lot of babies like this being born around the world. And, you know, um, read with your children, sit down with your children, because you never know how intelligent your children are. Um, let's get off into the story. Atlanta George made history last month as the second youngest child to be admitted into the UK's highly regarded uh, Men's Society. The four-year-old's entry into the renowned organization comes after she was named a genius of superior general intelligence with a 140 IQ score, the Daily Mail reports. Alana's parents, Edmund and Nadine George, knew she was a special child <clears throat> when she was an infant. She said uh, her first words, at, she said her first words at seven months, and she was speaking in four sentences by 18 months. According to the media outlet, Alana was obsessed with numbers and words and would recite the alphabet and multiplication tables instead of singing nursery rhymes. She taught herself, to re she taught herself how to read at the age of three. Man, astounded by her daughter's accomplishment, Nadine said, we, we used to read a lot of storybooks together, and she just picked up reading on her own. She learned. She um, learned herself before even going to school. She is coming in on leaps and bounds. It was it was the reading that freaked me out um, a bit, to be honest. Elena's parents had her had her tested in January by educational uh, psychologist Peter uh, Congdon. She scored a 140 on the Winchester preschool and primary scale of intelligence test. The results confirmed that Elena could that Elena could be at a seven a seven could be could read at a seven year old level and had the speaking skills of a six and a half year old. She was accepted into Manza one month later. Founded in 1946 by lawyer Ronald by, by lawyer Ronald uh, Burrow and scientist and lawyer Dr. Lance Ware, <clears throat> Manza is an elite society for people whose IQ ranks in the top two percent of the population. The average adult IQ is one hundred. While while the while the gifted child continues to make strides, Congdon expressed some concern in his report of her test score. Elena will benefit from being challenged and stretched and stretched in the school's situation. Otherwise, she may become prone to boredom, frustration, uh, uh, and underachieving. Said Nadine elaborated on Congdon's finding. Doctor Congdon Doctor Cogden was very impressed and said he felt her score could be higher. He wants to see her again in three years time because some aspects of her abilities could get better she needs to be she needs to be stretched her um her, her curriculum needs to be altered uh she doesn't uh she uh so she doesn't get bored in class elena's uh parents are thrilled to be uh raising a genius but they want her to be an enriched they want her to have an enriched childhood her mother said i want to make sure she reaches her full potential and is happy that's the uh, main goal. I am in no way put. I am in no way a pushy parent. So we will support her with whatever she does. So make sure that you support your children. Read to your children, and you never, you never know. You just never know uh, uh, the children that the children that uh, you're giving birth to. Uh, shout out to Elena George and her parents. This beautiful uh, young black baby, uh, born um, in the UK. Um, She's a very beautiful young girl and she's very intelligent. So shout out to her. And I hope that she grows up to be the greatest, whatever she's supposed to be. So remember, um, like, subscribe, share this video, subscribe to George Macon, and also subscribe to <clears throat> Diaspora TV7. That's my new channel, Diaspora TV7. Make sure you subscribe to Diaspora TV7 and also make sure you subscribe to George Macon. Peace. I'm a grandma prayer line Vibrating high Meditating all the while 
on a journey to always find the light Escaping darkness all the time I know your hate was in my smile capitals okay yes all right tell me the capital of china beijing uh-huh what's the capital of the united states the united states states is oh. washington dc it is all right what's the capital of greece athens okay what's the capital of czech republic czech republic is prague okay what's the capital of russia Russia is Moscow. Okay, the capital of the United Kingdom is London. And what about Japan? Japan is Tokyo. Very good. What's the capital of Spain? Madrid. What's the capital of New Zealand? New Zealand is Wellington. Very good. And what's the capital of France? France is Paris. Okay, now we're going to jump to some states. What's the capital of Oklahoma? Oklahoma City. Good job. What's the capital of Florida? Florida is Tallahassee. What's the capital of uh, Delaware? Dover. Okay. What's the capital of uh, Indiana? Indianapolis. Okay. What's the capital of Arkansas? Little Rock. And what about, we're going to go back to some countries, okay? What's the capital of Kenya? Kenya is Nairobi. Okay, and what's the capital of South Korea? South Korea is Seoul. And what's the capital of the Netherlands? Netherlands is 
is what? Amsterdam. Good job. Okay, now you can go back to some states. What about Missouri? Missouri is Jefferson City. Good job. What's the capital of Louisiana? Baruch. Okay, what about Mississippi? Mississippi mm -hmm. is Jackson. Okay, what about Alabama? Alabama is Montgomery. Good job. And Georgia? Georgia is Atlanta. And what about Kansas? Kansas? Uh, Topeka. Good job. And what about, we're going to do one more. Colorado. Colorado is Denver. Good job, Nala. <laughs> Capital of Delaware. Dover. Dover? Are you sure? Dover, Delaware. Did you know that? Anala knew the alphabet at four months. At 18 months, she knew her numbers in Spanish. She says she's smarter than you are. She is. She is. I, I would agree. Seek for your inner voice to help you make your choice. 
choices Learn to differentiate between the truth and the noises As a stranger here, you must never fear For the knowing of yourself is cause for great rejoicing Great rejoicing Great rejoicing Could we have additional geniuses from today's young generation of thinkers? Thanks to the largest and oldest high IQ society in the world, Mensa, it has become possible to know the IQs of many children, and this is one place African American kids are not left out. Mensa, as a nonprofit organization, is open to people who score at the 98th percentile or higher on a standardized, supervised IQ or other approved intelligence test. According to the organization, which provides a forum for intellectual exchange among its members in more than 100 countries around the world, these are the black kids with the highest IQs. Now, these details could have changed because there are intelligent kids all over the planet. Romani Wilfred, a British teenager, has an IQ score higher than Einstein's, Hawking's, and even Bill Gates. Romani achieved a 162 on his intelligence quotient test. The East London schoolboy is one of 50 of the world's most smartest teens and was only 10 years old when he wrote a paper on the philosophy of fairness and his university high essay score qualified him to take an IQ test at Birkbeck University. The word of the day is noodle. sort of satisfaction you feel when you, something clicks for you and you sort of just get it and all of these all of these puzzle pieces slot into place. I always remember I was driving him to nursery and he was telling me about something he'd seen on the news and it was a very political subject <laughs> and I was thinking I was just like laughing with him and later on that afternoon I saw the topic on on the TV and I thought mom my two and a half year old's been talking to me about this in the car this morning it was just bizarre it's probably a place of me not knowing something and from that ignorance it's like a desire to actually understand it to know it it's just about finding your thing and finding what you actually are very interested in what makes you exciting tell them sugar took me from my Try to destroy my stem They try to cut down my branches Said them want to see my life in But my strength increased The more that they multiply The drunk and the roots will fall to the ground I am
from my roots Try to destroy my stem They try to cut down my branches Said them want to see my life end But my strength increased The more that they multiply The trunk and the root will fade to the ground I am Ebony very much to the president of the Africa Society at Cambridge University, to the president of the university, the organizers of this wonderful program. My name is Arakana Chiomori. I'm the former African Union ambassador to the United States and now the founder and president of the African Diaspora Development Institute. I thank you for having me today. I bring you greetings from the great country of Zimbabwe in our beautiful continent of Africa. I wanna thank all of you young people for standing up and organizing and putting a spotlight on our beloved continent of Africa. As you are all are aware, our beloved continent is under siege. You've asked me today to talk about the role that our young people in Africa can play in building the Africa that we want. If our children are going to succeed at being the leaders, the champions, and the drivers of Africa's development, they must first and foremost understand how Africa got to be where Africa is today. They must first and foremost understand that as Africans, as people of African descent around the world, we also are victims of some serious major brainwashing. The brainwashing that has made it very difficult for us to take the reins, stand up and push back against some of the most egregious abuses any race could sustain. We are unable to fight back against all these major powers that have put in place geopolitical strategies that are designed to keep Africa and her children, not only in Africa, but around the globe, under siege. It's not by accident, <clears throat> it's not by accident that the richest continent on earth is the poorest continent on earth. Allow me to highlight some of the geopolitical situations, geopolitical systems that are in place today and have been in existence for centuries that will make it mission impossible for us to truly take our place on the, old, on the world stage, for us to truly be on the driver's seat of our beloved continent. I like to call upon what I call line number one. Line number one that is keeping us and making it impossible for those in leadership positions, no matter how low the leadership level is, to stand up, push back, 
and speak truth to power. What I consider line number one, if our children of Africa, if our youth are to take on the challenges of building the Africa that we want, they must understand that when we face issues, when we are trying to understand why we cannot move forward, the answer is not very far away. It's the image in the mirror. The image in the mirror is who you need to look at and ask some very important questions. Why do I think the way I do? Why do I behave in the manner that I do? Well, let me help you go through the journey of the genesis as to why we as Africans, and if you notice, I'm trying very hard to avoid using the word black, and I'll tell you why. Before the colonizers came to Africa, before the Europeans came to Africa, we were not called black. They were not white either. So they came to Africa in the name of introducing education, in the name of introducing civilization. So they took us to school and they taught us about the different colors, green, yellow, blue, black, white, orange. But out of all the array of colors that they taught us, they focused on two colors, black and white. They assigned attributes to the color black. Everything bad and undesirable was black. They even continued to add on subliminal messages, messages that are designed to just automatically, as our children are being born, they automatically know that they are undesirable. So that was the black color. Then they picked up the color white and also assigned you some attributes, purity, clean, desirable. And then they said, let's go to church. They spoke to us about a place called hell. <laughs> they said, oh, in hell, there's a thing called devil, which is black. And by the way, you Africans are black like the devil. And we said, okay. Then they said, oh, by the way, there's a place called heaven. And there are angels, beautiful, desirable. They do everything wonderful. We must all aspire to be like the angels. And by the way, we too, while we may not look like the white, color white that we just told you about in school, never mind that, we are like the angels. And we said, okay, that was centuries ago. We have never questioned why there were no attributes given to other people who look brown in the United States. Why is it that Chinese are not called brown Americans? Oh, the emphasis is on black and white, because the whole idea is to promote white supremacy from a very deep-rooted subconscious level and in a very subliminal messaging way. Centuries ago, my brothers and sisters, we were taught that we are black like the devil and that our color is undesirable. And they told us they were white, even though they didn't look white. What a lie. I've never seen a person who looks white like a white sheet of paper. Why haven't we questioned it? Subliminal messaging that is designed to promote white supremacy at a very deep level. Who has died and gone to heaven and seen a white angel? I don't blend in with my little black dress. I don't blend in with my little black shoes. Who has died and gone to hell and seen a black devil? It is a figment of their imagination designed to continue to propagate white supremacy from one generation after another. How long are we going to continue to believe in this lie? It is precisely this lie that is making it difficult for us as Africans to stand up against the blatant abuses that are being meted to our beloved continent every day, to stand up against the abuses that are being meted to us as the people of African descent, no matter where you see us. May I say, moving forward, think about whether or not you wanna to continue to be called black. Because whenever you accept that designation as black, you are accepting all the attributes they assigned to the color black. They're Caucasians.
understand the genesis of white versus black, it was designed to promote white supremacy. Ask yourself, why is it that as we speak today, I'm speaking to you from Zimbabwe, our ancestors, Mbuyanehanda and Sekurukaguvi, their heads are still sitting in jars, in basements in the United Kingdom. This is 2021. Centuries ago, they murdered our ancestors. They took their remains. And to this day, they still refuse to bring them back. Where is the Minister of Culture? Where is the Minister of Foreign Affairs? Why aren't they standing up and saying, United Kingdom, we will not engage you until this egregious wrong is righted? 1980, President Mugabe, that was one of the first things he did. Demand the remains of our ancestors. By the way, it's not just Zimbabwe. It's all countries that were under colonization. Our ancestors are littering their basements throughout Europe. Our artifacts are littering basements throughout Europe. They stole our culture. They displayed beautifully in their museums in Europe. And we Africans, we go to Europe and we line up nicely displayed, stolen from Benin Kingdom, and we pay to see what belongs to us. How long do you think a singer of a British soldier lasts in Zimbabwe? How long do you think a call of a German soldier lasts in Namibia? They would storm into those countries, kill thousands of people just to recover that one toe. And when it comes to Africa, well, you all are Africans. Zimbabwe has been trying to get its remains of its ancestors since 1980. 2020, they said, OK, we'll give you back your remains. To this day, those remains are yet to come. Who are these people? How do they go to sleep every day? Why on earth are you holding on to our ancestors? It is absolutely mind-boggling. But I'll tell you what. If we as Africans would say, Europe, we are no longer going to engage you until this right is righted, those remains will be back in no time. If every country is to say, the British, the Germans, the Italians, the French, Whatever country it is, we have seven days for your citizens, for you to bring our artifacts back, for you to right this wrong, to bring our ancestors for proper burial. You have seven days to do so. Otherwise, all your citizens in our countries, they got 48 hours to get out. Let's see how quickly those remains would come back. <laughs> but it's keeping us from doing that. It goes back to the line number one. As Africans, we are defeated even before the conversations begin. Our ministers go, ministers go to have meetings. They sit across from a white person, which I'm trying to avoid using that designation. They're Caucasians. Their knees buckle in because they automatically feel inferior. If we are to fight and defend our Africa, we must have a serious conversation with the image in the mirror and understand that you are one of the most beautiful person God ever created on earth. That you're just as intelligent and as beautiful as anybody else. And that no one should ever make us as Africans feel inferior. We're not inferior. In fact, if the truth be told, we as Africans are the only ones with a dominant gene on earth, plain and simple, and that is genetics 101. Take it or leave it. We are indestructible. The ones who gave birth to humanity, why are we being treated as fifth-class citizens? Without the black woman, there would not be humanity as we know it. And that is the fact. If all young people of today were to decide to mate with anyone all black people, all Africans, all people of African descent, were to decide to meet with non-black people. Give it two, three generations, the world will be black, and that is the truth. <laughs> so if you want to talk about who is who, 
Let's remind the world that as Africans, we give faith to humanity. We told the world what it means to be civilized. The world must respect Africa and her children because we deserve to be placed on the tallest pedestal for humanity belongs to us. Without us, they wouldn't be. That's line number one, that our children must understand first and foremost and they're going to be properly equipped to fight and defend our Africa. There are other geopolitical issues that we must also understand. The Britain Woods institutions, when they were created in 1945, they were not created so Africa can prosper. They were created so their success is based on the failure of African nations and other developing nations. Why is it that the average African country, at a minimum, a third of their GDP goes to World Bank in loan repayment? As we speak in Harare, $6.5 billion. They go to the World Bank every year in loan repayment out of a GDP of the country of 11 billion. 11 billion GDP, the country of Zimbabwe, 6.5 goes to loan repayment. Hello. <laughs> How is this country supposed to survive? And the same is true in many African countries. Some of the loans, they go back to colonization. Countries that have never defaulted on their loan repayments. The rating agencies give them poor rating so they can justify giving them ridiculous interest rates anywhere from 10 to 20%. Countries like the United States that do not need the break, they can get their loans sometimes at zero interest rate. What is or rather, what are our ministers of finance doing? They go to the United States twice a year. They go to the World Bank twice a year. What are they talking about? Why aren't they challenging these abuses? It goes back to line number one, where we are defeated before the game even begins. Let's look at the World Trade Organization. Africa has the largest arable land on earth. Over 65% of our land is arable. Why is it that we cannot add value to our natural resources? It goes back to the policies that were put in place through the World Trade Organization. We are designed to provide the natural resources, the raw materials, so we can create jobs for the Europeans. And now the East, and then we get the goods back. So we're now reduced to being consumers of our own value-added products. There's something terribly wrong with this picture. Why aren't the ministers of trade coming together collectively and speaking with one voice, say this has got to stop? It's because we are fighting as individual little bitty countries. How does Togo? get in the same boxing ring with China? How does Congo Brazzaville go into the same boxing ring with the United States? It's wrong and it's blatant and it's intentional. We're broken up into the tiny little countries so precisely we can continue to fight with the pinky little finger rather than coming together and fighting with an entire fist so we can really throw a sucker punch. It's up to you, the young people, to understand what is really going on in Africa. For far too long, we have been thrown a shiny object and we've run after the shiny object and not realizing that in the process, we're running away from where the real issues are and where we need to pay attention if we are to reclaim the driver's seat of the development of our beloved continent. It is an uphill battle. The challenges are huge. The mountain is steep. But I can tell you one thing. When we unite, when we come together and speak with one voice, and I get a really big, nice smile on my face and I feel warm and fuzzy, when I can remember of this young man in Mali 
who took down the French drone with a slingshot. I want to remind the West that while we may have been asleep for far too long, there are millions of young men in Africa with slingshots. We will take you down. But for us to take them down, we must unite. There is no two ways about it. We must speak with one voice. That means you, each and every one of us. Let's have a conversation with the image in the mirror. I use a very rudimentary example of simple observations that I make as I travel. If it's a group or a conference, if there are Chinese in the room during a break, the Chinese will group together and they start talking and strategizing about the next session. White people will group together. They start strategizing. If they are Indians, they'll group together. And then look at us Africans. Look at us people of African descent. What do we do? We're busy trying to fit in with everybody else. It's because of that self-hate. It's because of that lack of belief in ourselves. We think our relevance is more important when we attach ourselves with others who don't look like us. The disease is deep. So as we strategize on how our youth can take over the future of Africa, we as elders, we have a responsibility to make sure that we leave them strong shoulders for them to stand on. We need to leave our children well informed and equipped with knowledge about what is really going on. Know who your enemy is if you are going to war. Got to come up with a strategy. What's going on in the world, it is a game that we must understand the rules of engagement. If we are going to defeat the enemies that are besieging our beloved continent, we must know, our under, know and understand our continent and what is really going on. And each and every one of you as students at this famous University of Cambridge, to whom much is given, much is expected. You have a responsibility to wake up. Now don't blame your friends who don't look like you. They don't know. They too have been lied to. They're being raised in a world that says, oh, we're going to Africa to civilize them. What they don't tell you is that they stole the civilization from Africa to Europe, came back and started giving it back to us like it was their own. Remind them that that is a lie. Tell them the truth, that Africa is not a diseased and dying continent. They too, the children of the Caucasians of today, they have been lied to. They're not being told the truth. So you have a responsibility, African students at Cambridge, to educate your colleagues and tell them the truth and nothing but the truth. Invite them to come to Africa and see for yourself this amazing Garden of Eden, I call it. That is Africa. The Africa that people must see. We ask all of you to take off your jaundiced eyes, your, your, your spectacles that need to be readjusted. You need to see Africa with 2020 vision. The continent that has it all. The continent that every single country outside Africa, there is not a single strategic planning station that does not start with Africa because everything they need is and can be found in Africa. And that is the fact. Now, when our children, you young people, are now armed with knowledge, you're armed with the realization that you got your elders who are strong, strong shoulders backing you, ready to defend you, ready to protect you. We want you to face the world, standing up tall. Every step that you take, you must know that you own this earth because you do. The children of our in the diaspora and around the world and in Africa as well. Stand up, push back, believe in yourself. You should never ever accept that you are inferior to anyone because you, as a woman, as an African woman, as a woman of African descent, you are the mother of humanity. And you, as an African man, a man of African descent, you are the father of humanity. Stand up, 
on the tallest mountain and proclaim to the world who you are, the proud, the beautiful, intelligent, sophisticated, highly adaptable, and totally indestructible Africa. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. I hope these works have uplifted you and they are no doubt worthy of our ancestors. I hope they've inspired you on your journey to being worthy as well. I hope also you have a wonderful week. Please, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe so you can be the first to hear fresh new episodes. You can also subscribe, like I said earlier, via daniel.co.uk. That's D-A-N-I-E-A-L.co.uk. I am going to leave you with the high vibrations of Bob Marley coming in from the cold. I hope you have a wonderful week. As always, blessed love. Yeah, that's